Hi folks, this is Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast, and I'm really uh, happy to be here today. Um, Several questions I'm going to be addressing, and uh, let's jump in with Tracy, who asked the question, how do you work around being intolerant to sulfurs? Is there a precursor or something in the chain to help us get what we need sulfur-wise? I get this question a lot. And, um, you know, I don't know what Tracy is reacting to in terms of um, foods or medication. Uh, I want to say off the top is that there is a really big difference between the sulfur, which is our trace minerals in our body, And things like sulfa drugs and sulfites, uh, there's there's a huge difference. They're not the same, and people are getting very confused about sulfur and sulfa. Now, there are cases where people could be allergic to things like eggs uh, or even things like broccoli, other cruciferous vegetables, I'm not sure it's the sulfur that's that's causing the allergy. If in fact, um, you know, somebody is saying, "Oh, I've got a sulfur allergy," could be a food allergy or a food sensitivity, and they may be confusing it with the sulfur in that kind of a food. But um, <clears throat> in terms of Tracy and your question, um, I would challenge you to say, "Are you really allergic to sulfur?" And if so, how did you figure that out? Um, I would certainly go to a regular doctor and get tested for food allergies and food sensitivities. Uh, If, in fact, you know, there are certain foods that you're allergic to, so be it. Uh, But um, I'm going to run through a little bit about what I know on sulfur in terms of the benefits. For example, some of the, the, um, the best places to get sulfur would be Epsom salt, if you bathe in Epsom salt. Uh, The second would be uh, cruciferous vegetables. Broccoli would be probably at the top of my list. And the third would be, of course, my MSM eye drops. So just some stats about sulfur. It's the third uh, leading mineral in the body, and it's uh, found in our bones, skin, muscles. It's involved with many um, physiological processes in the body. And it also um, is really important in terms of many different aspects. So, like, for example, uh, one of the things that, um, that sulfur plays a role in is it helps in the synthesizing of <clears throat> metabolic intermediates, such as my favorite, glutathione, the master antioxidant of the body, and that... Um, It also helps in proper insulin function. It uh, it helps in glucose metabolism. It's great at uh, helping us detox. There have even been studies, research studies out that say that sulfur can help with certain kinds of skin disorders, such as as shingles. Uh, It's been known to help arthritis. It also... um, helps in um, balancing out cholesterol and um, also helps in the um, absorption of vitamin 
D. Now, some of the places where we can get sulfur-rich foods would be, again, the cruciferous vegetables. I've talked about these things like mustard greens and Brussels sprouts, bok choy, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, um, even things like garlic and leeks and shallots, shallots and onions. And, uh, you know, fennel, asparagus, and celery also contain um, um, sulfur. Now, in terms of other sulfur-rich foods, if you're um, not a vegetarian, uh, pasture-fed eggs, um, grass-fed beef, organic chicken, wild-caught fish. If you are vegan or vegetarian, you can go for things like uh, almonds and cashews and walnuts, sesame seeds and sunflower seeds, uh, even certain fruits like coconut, like a Thai coconut, coconut meat, pineapple, watermelon, so sulfur is found in many, move, uh, many foods. Um, I've also uh, found it in um, bone broth. And uh, um, so it's, um, it's a really primary um, trace mineral. And I would need to know more as a detective on you know, what you're talking about in terms of being allergic to sulfur. And I would, again, check it out in terms of sulfur drugs um, or something else that's, that's synthetically made. So Tracy, I hope that gives you some help in terms of your questions, and I want to thank you uh, for tuning in. Okay, next question. This is from, uh, he actually asked two questions, Dimitri. He's enjoying my content, and he's asking me about a weaker prescription for nearsighted reading or use of digital devices. How weak do you think you could go? Well, this is an interesting question, and so I guess the rule of thumb would be to, uh, you could download a visual acuity eye chart, put it at 20 feet, and you would want to get a reduced nearsighted prescription where you would see 2040. Uh, so 2020 would be for your distance correction and 2040 would be for your computer. You know, hard to say in terms of, you know, it depends on how old you are, it depends on how much myopia you have. Uh, usually, if you're reducing your myopia by a quarter or a half a diopter, it's not enough. So let's say you're a, a minus three, just as an example. I would probably do a minus two um, for the computer. So maybe a third less, you're looking, looking at that a ratio. But you don't know for sure until you try it on and you work at the computer, you have to figure out your working distance from the computer, the lighting, the size of the font. Um, you know, so there are many factors involved, but generally the 2040 reading is something you could use or reducing your prescription by a third. And the next part of the question um, is that in terms of, um, you know, any other digital device like the phone, um, would it be the same prescription as the computer? So again, we're looking at the, the working distance here. And in terms of depending on how far away you're holding your phone, it's usually a little closer than your computer. Uh, again, you could probably reduce the prescription even more. Uh, so you might even go to say we're back to this illustration of minus three. <clears throat> you might find that you could do like a minus 150 for the phone. Uh, so... 
Anyways, you know, if you can find a holistic eye doctor or go to your eye doctor and say, hey, can I get a prescription for 2040? That would probably be the best way to go. Okay, next question. Uh, this is somebody who listened to Ari Witten's podcast and wants some guidance. Guidance. Um, this, uh, this man was diagnosed with a condition called thrombosis. His name's Richard and it was, uh, diagnosed in one eye a year ago and he's had a number of treatments, um, injections, uh, to help reduce, uh, I guess the proliferation of the thrombosis and several rounds of laser procedures. And, uh, he's had this in Luzerne, Switzerland and it, it, I would say Switzerland has really high-level eye care, so he's going to a great place. Uh, but now he's got some edema near the macula, and it's not dissipating. He's very worried about it. Okay, Richard, uh, this, is what, this is what I would recommend. Um, my, my suggestion would be that in terms of um, this particular condition, these injections definitely create an inflammatory response in the retina, and they reduce circulation, so there's more chance for collection of edema. So I'm going to give you three main things to consider. Number one, I would reduce dairy completely from your diet. I would reduce gluten from your diet, and I would reduce sugar from your diet. I would increase your dietary absorption, maybe go to a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath, and see what's going on in terms of your inflammatory response, your adrenals, and your thyroid. Um, that when you start developing edema in the, near the macula, and especially this will be similar to like people with wet macular degeneration. I find when they make these dietary chains, especially dairy, that a lot of times the edema will tend to dissipate. I had a guy recently in my area who was getting injections for four years for wet macular degeneration and I had him go off dairy completely and his wet macular degeneration was gone in like a month. No more injections. So the second thing that I would suggest would be to get some acupuncture and in terms of the acupuncture I would have the acupuncturist see if they can um, use the needles as a way to open the acupuncture meridians to drain the energy more down and away from the eye. Because if you're getting edema in the, the retina, you're not able to uh, have good energy flow and meridian flow. And in all of these conditions, the, the central theme is that you should be asking and everybody else is, what uh, can I do to oxygenate and hydrate my eyes, my brain, and my body? Because clearly, the eyes are not getting the circulation they need. So um, any ways that you can do that. Uh, craniosacral therapy might be another uh, modality, but I think for you the acupuncture, acupuncture would be my number two. If you've had craniosacral therapy, certainly you could add that to the list. Number three, when you go to your functional medicine doctor, I want you to have them test you for mold. I find that people that have a lot of retina problems and especially edema problems in the near the macula area, sometimes they have mold that they have uh, been exposed to. And depending on where you've lived, uh, this could be an issue for you, that if you get rid of the mold, the black mold in your body, this can also create 
more <clears throat> balance in terms of the fluid in your body. And it's, um, it's definitely, you know, something that to take a look at your elementals and that the water element is so uh, strong in your retina that's creating this edema. And I'd probably maybe back off from some of the injections, some of the, the drugs and some of the laser. Uh, those things can be really drying as well <clears throat> and create a lot of inflammation. So I hope that's helpful for you. Thank you for your question, Richard. Okay, my last question today, this is um, a person who is experiencing a spontaneous eye watering, and this has been going on for several weeks, and now mucus is forming um, around the eyes, and the, the eyes are stinging, there's a slight pressure in the eyes, has a headache. Um, this person does have Hashimoto's uh, disease and intracranial hypertension, um, wants to tread very carefully on uh, taking any medications, could it be a blocked tear duct? Uh, any natural approaches to this problem? So in terms of this particular uh, question, I think it's really important to go to an eye doctor and get a baseline. You know, because some of these things you can rule out right away. Is there a blocked tear duct? Is there dry eye syndrome? You can do a test called a tear breakup time, and you can diagnose whether the tears are breaking up more quickly than normal. Um, you can rule out if there's any infe eye infections or viral infections. Um, you know, could there be some eye strain in terms of the two eyes not working together? Uh, perhaps the right eye and left eye are not focusing well. Uh, or, or maybe you're wearing the wrong prescription if you're using the computer or reading. So what I do when I do private sessions with people, uh, and I don't do that many of them anymore, but when I do like a Skype session... If I get the eye records from the person that's inquiring about this, then we go through the eye records uh, carefully together and we can rule out so many different things. So I think you need to go to the eye doctor and you need to check that out. Obviously, with a thyroid condition, you're destined in terms of the allopathic model to have more dry eye. Uh, also, if you've got hypertension, Again, what you're speaking to, the thread throughout, is you're not getting enough oxygenation and hydration to the eye tissue. It's creating a dry eye situation, and um, you're right about medications and um, you know, other allopathic treatments because that's going to stay more on a symptom level. You know, you could consider the MSMI massages that I'm recommending and the eye exercises that are great for the lymph and eye circulation. I think those things would be wonderful for you. I think the palming exercise, any of them uh, that you know you can find on my website are also very good. But you know, in terms of uh, you know this situation, you want to make sure you're getting enough fats and oils in your diet, a good probiotics, reducing inflammation anywhere, making sure that your um, your endocrine system is balancing as best as it can. Maybe you have to, you know, use things like acupuncture or herbs to help you with uh, your uh, Hashimoto's. Um, anything to reduce stress, improve your lifestyle. You know, again, we're talking about better sleep, um, 30 minutes of aerobic exercise every day, um, meditation, 
Uh, you know, these are really important lifestyle things that can go along with creating some of these symptoms. So I'm sorry I can't be more specific about it. I would start with your eye doctor, see what he or she says, and once you get that information, then you can plug in the holes based on, based on the diagnosis. But I want to thank you so much for your question. I really appreciate it. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademark signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.